So you should probably wish her a happy birthday on this, not me, huh? I've bought her enough stuff and spent enough time with her today where I feel comfortable not. It's never but enough. because I love her. And happy birthday, Charlie. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. Covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode 12 of the second season of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. I'm Tim Brown, your host. I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender. Hello, everybody. This week's going to be a very different with no games to recap, with COVID-19 postponing the Fair State series, with Bell Let's Talk Day a week away from when this podcast will be made public on Thursday. Um, I decided to kind of take a little detour and talk about mental health. It's been an important issue to me, as you probably remember from my Let's uh, Huskies Let's Talk column from... Well, over a year ago now in September, Matt will probably link to that when we get this pushed out in liner notes. I just thought it was important to talk about with how much suicide has impacted Mitch's misfits in the MTU hockey community. So we decided to reach out to Mark Wick, who's an assistant coach at Augsburg University, located not far from me in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, We'll mainly be discussing mental health this week, but depending on how long that discussion goes, we'll talk about Huskies' current events like the Joe Show, your questions, and preview the series with Lake Superior. All right, before we take a break, I want to touch on one thing. We fund everything at Tech Hockey Guide from our patrons. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. We'll be doing a monthly Zoom chat with special guests. Our next guest will be former Husky and current Youngstown Phantoms head coach Brad Patterson. I just sent out an email to him when I was checking over my introduction, so hopefully we'll get a date pinned down before I record this next time. I've said that for like three weeks now. If you sign up at the white level or above, which is only $2 a month, you're able to participate in that and get a shout out on the podcast and have question priority. Since the podcast has started, we've done extended versions of pretty much every podcast. Uh, At the black level or above, which is $5 a month, you can get access to that. We also give you early access to content and question priority and everything else. And then at the highest level, we've got the $10 a month where you get to watch this lovely Zoom chat. I suppose I should have warned Mark of that, but he seems prepared. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right, Mark. There's only like three people at that level, so you're fine. Anybody that gets up at the black or um, silver level, I think that's what, it, I don't even know. The 5 or $10 a month level, we have authentic MTU jersey patch that we'll send out to you after you've given $10. All right, let's do the thank you notes, which is the name of a band, in case you're like Brad and don't understand what I'm saying. And we'll have a brief note from our sponsor, because we need those pennies, and we'll come back and discuss mental health and sports with our special guest, Mark Wick. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back. Um, we've got a special guest, as I said, Mark Wick, who's an assistant coach at Augsburg University, a big mental health advocate. And after doing a little bit of research, it sounds like a lot of this is about kind of learning about yourself through hockey and and having having some issues of your own while you were a head coach. And I'm sure it's it's from way before that. So, Mark, maybe if you could just give us a little background on why what's happened with you and why this is so important to you. Well, first off, thanks for having me on. And also thanks for being willing to have this discussion and to talk about this topic, because this is something that has affected me. Um, you know, I live with anxiety and depression, and that's nothing I would have told you 10 years ago, you know, five years ago, um, 30 years ago, because, see, I didn't want to have it. And um, I ignored it. And, and I ignored it until... You know, finally in uh, January 2nd of 2015, playing in a tournament in upstate New York in Oswego, I found myself on a bridge over the Oswego River uh, ready to jump that night after a game, thinking that uh, everybody was going to be better off without me, my wife, my kids, my team, and all that. I didn't jump that night, obviously, not because it was a bad idea. It was just not the right time because of... Um, you know, being in New York and, you know, getting my body back and all that. Had we been closer to Duluth that night, I don't know what would have happened. Uh, we got back. I made it through the month of January, but it wasn't. It was a really rocky month. And I found myself on our last home game, January 31st, um, after something at the end of the game going after the other coach on the ice. And and got back to my locker room and I sat in my locker room in a, almost a paralyzed position and, um, our, our, my staff was in there, our radio guys were in there, and Jackie McMillan, our women's coach, was in there. She left, um, but she didn't leave. She just went outside, called my wife, and said, hey, you need to get over here. Um, something's wrong with Mark. I don't know what it is. And she waited till everybody left that room. And, um, and then she came in and said, hey, what's going on? And before I could answer, my wife walked in and just said, that's it. You know, we're going to deal with this. We're going to take care of it. And um, I took a leave from the team. I, I saw a psychiatrist. I got into counseling. And that's kind of when my journey to recovery started. And it's become, I've been very public about it. Um, but that's something that the more I've talked about it, the more I realize how prevalent it is out there. And, you know, for people that haven't gone through it, it's like, hey, nobody gets me, man. Nobody understood what I was going through. Well, there's a whole host of people that know what I'm going through, but we don't talk about it. So, um, I wanted to, to make something good come out of it. They did a, a newspaper article in Duluth News Tribune that um, I got a lot of feedback on from people that just said, hey, I showed this to my husband or, you know, my son deals with this or somebody else. And then people got in and got help. I was a head coach at Scholastica from 04 to 18. And then I got let go in 18 and, you know, really wondering what to do. I, I still love to coach and stuff and nothing opened up. I did a little NHL scouting. Um, for that first year, helped out at Augsburg and stuff. But I started talking to more and more teams and just um, realized the need out there in, in schools and stuff like that. And just these college-age kids, um, for one, that were really struggling and they didn't know where to go. So I just kind of decided that uh, 
this is a route I'm going to take. This is kind of where my passion is now, is having this discussion and hope that people don't have to go through what I went through. And, you know, you talk about the suicide um, rates and stuff like that. Um, when I gave this talk a few years ago, I talked about, you know, we lose 123 people a day to suicide in the U.S. This last year, I was going to do a fundraiser for an organization I help out with that helps with mental health. And so I thought, well, what can I do? Well, you know what? I'll golf one hole for every death we have. Well, I didn't realize that now we're up to 132, you know. So, um, you know, that's going in the wrong direction. So we still need to continue to have these conversations and let people know that um, there is help out there and that they're not alone and they don't have to get through this alone. So that's kind of my story. That's what I do now. I travel around to, you know, basically I'll talk to anybody that'll listen. You know, I've talked to a lot of obviously hockey teams because, you know, I've, I've been a college coach for 30 years. So I have a lot of connections in the hockey community, but I also talk to volleyball teams, um, soccer teams, basketball teams, um, college students in general, high school students. You know, I, I've talked to such a wide variety. I've been in businesses and stuff like that. But basically just to share my story, um, share ways that, hey, we can learn about it and, and how can we help one another out? You know, so so that that's kind of where I'm at now in the stuff that I'm trying to do. I think it's great because I, I do think it's I mean, even it's it, in a lot of ways, it reminds me a lot of like the the concussion discussion where you talk like even talking about like football over the weekend where you have. Was it Boomer Esiason or Phil Sims? I can't remember which one basically said after the Chiefs game that he expects Patrick Mahomes to play next week. And it's like, he hasn't even been through protocol yet and you can't ignore this. And, and I feel like it's very similar in that people just think because you can't see it, that it's not a big deal and they ignore it and, or they try and blame it on so many other things versus except like, like I have anger outbursts. I'm still dealing with those. And I have to realize that that's on me. That's not on whoever I'm, angry at in the moment and i actually read that in one of your articles where that was one of your big tells that that your your little outburst about things like over the like on my way back from omaha i had to pick up my dog from my mom and i met them my mom and her boyfriend in toma and i had bought something on the way down to omaha for the podcast and ended up not needing it and the lady when i checked out told me i could return it if I didn't like it. So I stopped at the same brand of gas station in like Menominee, Wisconsin. And the guy's like, we don't do returns. We only do exchanges. And I'm like, that's not what she told me. And I dropped an F-bomb and he told me if I, and I said another one and he kicked me out of the store and I like slammed the door multiple times. And it was like so embarrassing five minutes after it happened. But in the moment, I'm like so mad at him for like being so stupid because like i'm like this is what i was told what a, like i didn't do anything wrong and and you just think about those things when they happen after and how much like i need to deal with that stuff i can't just like blow it off of him being an idiot because i'm the one that made a scene over nothing like what's 15 dollars in the grand scheme of things for headphones like really and you know, and I see a therapist regularly, and but it's monthly, and I don't even know if that'll come up because who knows what'll happen in the next three weeks before I see him again to really talk about that kind of stuff or like 
I've been watching TikTok a lot lately and seeing all these videos about signs of ADHD and like uh, relating to them so much that it's just like you and all these things are things that we just kind of ignore all around because you just have somebody else to blame for so much of it versus like accepting the fact that you need to work on these things and talk to people and not just pretend that it's somebody else's fault for all this stuff and then not let that stuff internalize and make things worse for your friends and your family. Well, and and I also think you hit on so many things there (laughs) that um, the, the anger piece, generally when I talk to athletes or college students or anybody, I tell them to um, explain to me what, when I, when I say the word depression, those types of things, what types of feelings or emotions do you relate to that? And it's generally withdrawal, loneliness, non-motivated, crying, sadness, withdrawn, all, all those things. And, that, and that's what I assumed that it was also. And I didn't have that. See? And whenever anybody brings up anger now, I say, no, that's competitiveness, right? Because I yelled a lot. And if you talk to probably a lot of refs, like I was not a fun guy to work with, okay? Fun uh, game to coach because I'd holler a lot. But you know what? So was a guy on the other bench, right? Have you ever seen a coach holler at the ref? You know, and, and like I always say, hey, what happens if my wife did that? She's in the medical field. Like if a doctor came in and she hollered at the re- at the doctor and, you know, just I don't know why they let you work here and that, like what would happen? She'd get fired. What happens when I holler at a ref and go crazy? People cheer, right? I mean, fans love that. In our sport, it becomes so normalized. Plus, as men, we get away with that because that's how we handle things. It wasn't until, you know, I started meeting with my therapist. He said, anger can be a sign of depression in men. And I never correlated those two. So again, like you said before, we don't see it. It's easy to justify. It's easy to um, point to other people, and and it's tough to prove. You know, I'm 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 a, I'm a great guy around campus, around other people, but when I get in those situations, and I can't control it, that was the problem. And and one of the first things that my my therapist told me was depression's not your problem. The fact that you don't deal with it, that's your problem. Because but I couldn't deal with it because I didn't understand it. And I think that's one of the things that we don't understand a lot about mental health issues. So what do we do? If we don't know about something, a lot of times we avoid it. You know, and again, sometimes it hits too close to home. So so we let it go. And you can't see it. Prove it. And that, and your correlation to um, to concussions, I think, is spot on. I've shared that. If somebody gets their bell rung, you know, at least at our level and stuff like that, generally the trainers ask a couple questions. Do you have a headache? Do you feel sick to your stomach? I don't know. You got one or two answers, yes or no. But they can't see it in you. If you got if you got blood coming out of your arm, like, hey, they're gonna notice that. It's your word against theirs. You know, and now we're getting a little more sophisticated, but we didn't want to share that stuff before because we wanted to keep playing. Well, we also know there's long term consequences to that. It's the same thing with the mental health. That hey, we can hide it, but again, it's just gonna it's not gonna get any better and then that's when we see that the tragic results happen because of that that we don't deal with it yeah mark i think 
one thing that you touched on that I really want to recap. Well, first of all, I want I want to join in and say that about two years ago, I started getting help for myself. Like I got in and started seeing a therapist for my anxiety and depression as well. And I think that's an important thing for people to hear in a public forum, first of all. But one thing that I think is really important to advancing the conversation is, you know, like kind of this concept of manning up. And I think that kind of reverts back to like, even from a young age, the only like acceptable emotion that a lot of young men are able to show is anger. So when that's what's accepted and that is also the problem that needs to be solved, it makes it a lot harder to identify. So I think it's really cool that you were, well, not, you know what I mean, but Mm -hmm. it's awesome that you were able to identify that as the problem and go forward with getting help. Even though it took me 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's just awesome that you're getting help either way. But if it can help the rest of us at a younger age, it's always good, right? Yeah. And, 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 that, and that's a hope. A- absolutely. And, and again, you talk about the, you know, hey, suck it up type of stuff. I tell people, um, like these college athletes, that are more open to it and reaching out once they understand that it's okay to. And I say that there's no bigger sign of strength than going into seeing somebody to go talk to a therapist or counselor. Like to, to give somebody a call that, hey, you're not in a great spot right now. That takes guts because now we're making ourselves vulnerable. But if we don't do that, other people don't see. Because how many times, you know, do you look at somebody and say, man, that guy's got it all together? Well, what we see on the outside isn't necessarily what's going on on the inside. And again, when we look at the suicides, one of the most common things I always hear is, I would have never guessed that person. You know, well, because we do a really good job of hiding it. Our volleyball coach was one of the first people I talked to when I took my leave. And she said, Mark, I've known you for 20 years. I would have never guessed you had depression. And I said, I know, because that's what we do. We hide it. We don't want people to know. You know, that wasn't something that I wanted to go around at the time because, you know, I thought that that wouldn't be looked well upon, you know, in the profession and stuff like that. So we hide it. It takes a ton of energy. And then sometimes when we can't do it anymore, that's when we see the tragic consequences. Well, and you live in this world now where, like, I don't post things on Facebook about being sad and depressed. I post the cool things when I built a snowman with my daughter or or went snow tubing with her. And I'm laughing about how, like, those are the only two things I've posted in, like, two months other than maybe putting up my Christmas tree. I don't post, like, the day after Christmas or the day before Christmas when I was home alone depressed because my daughter's at my ex's house and I'm home alone and... No, but nothing's open, nothing to do. And it's just me like you don't you don't post those things. So when you look at Facebook, all you're seeing is everybody's favorite moments. And somebody, you know, at least before COVID times was always on vacation to someplace cool. And you just internalize all that stuff of like being like you're not in the you're not getting to do those cool things when you do get to do them a couple times a year. But you're not doing them right now. And you just constantly have all this feedback of everybody else having fun while you're having these boring times. And it's just this huge negative feedback loop of like reinforcing that you're not, uh, you're not happy and not having a good time or whatever, instead of like realizing how much you have control over that kind of stuff or 
I mean, I think Zoom has been a great thing, especially during COVID. I don't know how many times we got together. I know Dustin did it way more than I did, but I mean, we used to have like Saturday night, like happy hours on Zoom and get together and just talk. And I've done many trivia nights or um, like Jackbox game nights where we just get together and talk because you can't always hang out. Um, yeah, it's it's just a different world even than what it was when when me being i guess the oldest of not you when i was a kid like you didn't have all that stuff you didn't know what anybody else was doing to like feel bad about your personal situation and you just get all of that now and it's and it's tough yeah are, are, are any of you on twitter you yep. see stuff on twitter you, you ever you ever seen any of those huskies you know post a picture with that puck of their first yep. goal you know, first NCAA yeah. goal. You ever see that? Yeah. That's a cool one. But I always tell guys, my favorite one is you see the guy with the puck that posts uh, minus four tonight, six yep. minutes ice time, healthy yep. scratch tomorrow. Yeah, you don't see that. <laughs> like, just, you don't see that one. Right. Because, and, and I tell kids, like, like the social media stuff is like a 20, it's like a 365 day Christmas card. Yep. You know, as a parent, you post pictures. You don't post a picture of your kid on the floor having a tantrum, no. wailing. You wait, you know, it's the 17th picture you've tried to take where they got a smile or they're not fighting because that's what we want to portray. And you're exactly right. And I go back to the old days where we had nothing in the buses. So we played cards, you know, and then we had movies so we could all watch the same movie. You know, somebody bring a VHS because they don't even <laughs> understand that. But now what happens when those, you know, what happens when a kid has a, a six hour bus ride home after a game? And they were a healthy scratch or they didn't play well. Well, they go on their cell phones. And you're exactly right. They see how great everybody else's life is. And that just, you know, verifies that they're not any good. Well, that's not the truth. You know, that's what people want you to think. And But if you're in a bad spot and you go there instead of talking to other people, instead of having conversations and stuff like that, man, you can go down that rabbit hole so quickly. And, you know, I always, one of the things when I talk is that I always have people take out their phones and say, um, go to, go to your screen time. I want to see how much screen time you have. <laughs> and then within that screen time, how much of it is on social media? Because all you're getting is how great everybody else's life is. You know, the kids, kids put out there on Snapchat or that, they, Hey, look at this concert I'm at. And they, they show the video and they have the music and you can't even understand it because it's all in the crowd. But they want everybody to see, I'm here, you're not. Like, look how cool I am. And you're not. What are you, sitting at home? You know, or look at the, all the friends I'm hanging out with and you're not. Well, if you're not in a good spot, that can be very damaging. And, and we, you know, studies are showing that, you know, after a certain amount of time on social media, you're just putting yourself at a higher risk for, um, symptoms of depression and that type of stuff mm -hmm. yeah i think one of the biggest things with the covid times for me is taking facebook off my phone it's not on there anymore i don't look at it i look at it once a week once a day on my a home pc and that's it it's not on my phone anymore and that with the the whole covid isolation experience and everybody not seeing everybody not being able to see friends not being able to do things and treating that experience correctly and by not going places when you see some folks that are ignoring you know the COVID guidelines and still doing things, it just amplifies how worse it makes you feel for staying home like we're supposed to be doing, right? 
So removing Facebook from my phone in April or May or whatever is one of the best decisions I've made in the last year. It's fantastic not being on there. And and, and I think you're exactly right from the standpoint of or you can get really mad at them because they're doing stuff and you're trying to not do stuff. And, you know, just with all the social unrest we had going on here um, within the country and, and the political stuff going on that it just caused this divide. And if you spend time on there and I, for myself, like I would, it, it would affect my mental health. So I had to get off social media or really look at what I was looking at on there because it wasn't any good for me and it didn't change anything. So why have it? So the fact that you took it off, that's, you know, what I, I think most people have had to do. Otherwise it's just that whole thing where it just takes us down a, a bad path. No, I, um, Facebook basically only exists for me for marketplace anymore. <laughs> um, I don't really look at other <laughs> stuff other than our tech hockey guide stuff. Since we've started doing some advertising, that's, I try to avoid looking at the other stuff. I know Dustin, we've talked about a few times now where you, you, you gave it up too, didn't you? Yeah. I deleted it also. I, I only have an account just because I still use messenger sometimes, but that's about it. Yeah, mine is filtered down to looking at uh, trains and ore boats, to be honest, at this point. <laughs> That's so much like your dad. I love it. Yeah. When it's pretty much pointless to to argue with people on there. So, And then if you just read half the stuff people say, you just get frustrated. So I've, I've moved on to TikTok, and I've gotten stuck in like the funny, happy side of TikTok, so I'm happy with that. Because it, it, I love hearing all the stupid, goofy stories and, and like... I don't like every once in a while there's one that like hits home uh on like a personal level but for the most part what I see on there is like happy dogs walking around or <laughs> or funny like ex stories or whatever but it's like it's far more um enjoyable without feeling like I'm the one missing out cuz I'm not the one doing that like I I really enjoy being on there um and just seeing all the other stuff that people are doing and it's fun and and sharing it with my friends and getting a good laugh out about about different stuff um versus other things uh and i still do twitter but twitter i've pretty much i think the one th thing i like the most about twitter is that it's like i've curated that to be the people that i want to hear from and i avoid like i, I don't have any problems blocking or unfollowing people that that upset me and I just start ignoring them. Whereas Facebook is full of people I knew from high school and, and from former political affiliations that just annoy me. So <laughs> I, I kind of moved away from that one. So probably one of the bigger reasons that this has become so important to Michigan tech, tech hockey guide misfits is because uh, a, f a friend of ours, a misfit, a couple of years ago committed suicide. And we didn't really want to talk about it in those terms back when it happened because of his family and, and, and all of those connections and everything like that. But probably the biggest reason we're doing this right now is because we weren't able to help Manit at the time. And, and we're all, we were all shocked. And and, I, and it does feel weird when you talk about it, when you, 
it feels weird that we talk about it in such a in a positive light that we're talking about this because of it, which is a good thing. But it's still sad that that Manit's gone, and and especially like Dallas's daughter doesn't get to hang out with him anymore, and Matt either. And just seeing him in the Misfits anymore, um, I know it's important to all of us to to kind of try and pay attention to this stuff more. And and like I said in my Huskies Let's Talk post a long time ago that that people need to not be afraid when somebody asks you how you're doing to say not well. And I actually have a good friend now um, that I dated for a while and we've become really close even though we don't date anymore. And And I'm totally there whenever she needs to talk about this stuff because I know it's tough. And I'm not afraid to be that person that's there to listen. And I, one of the weirdest things that I have done through all my online dating is when somebody tells me something or whatever, like one of the girls I matched with, like, she's like, I need to take a break. My mom has cancer. And I'm like, I know you don't really know me, but sometimes it's way easier to vent to somebody that's not in your friend circle because like sometimes you don't want to tell Rob or Dustin or Matt because you don't really want your friends to talk about you. So it's easier to vent to somebody that doesn't really know anybody that can't ever get back. And I'm always the one that I'm like, just go ahead. You can tell me vent. Like I'm here if you need to talk because like I don't want anything bad to happen to other people because they're afraid to talk. Um, so I've tried to do that. And I think... Manit is part of the reason that I haven't been afraid to talk about this or reach out because I don't think I've talked about this much before that other than maybe a random tweet on Bell Let's Talk Day which I think is a great thing um, and coming up shortly so I don't know I went a lot of places there <laughs> yeah so what I think is important to kind of remember about that so I dealt with a lot of loss very young when i was 17 i lost my 18 year old best friend because he got hit by a drunk driver so i had to deal with a lot of like awful loss really young in my life and then when i was when i was you know in my young 20s that's when i lost manit so i think a really important thing in the way that i kind of deal with that kind of horrible loss of young people is that you have to figure out the best way to honor them and to me the best way to honor manit is to change the conversation around what it means to go get help. Because Manit and I, a week before his death, were actually talking about how cool it was that I started going to therapy, how cool it was that we were tackling those like head-on, that we felt like we had that support system. So that's why like he shocked me, because we were having those like tough talks that I really wish more people would have with each other about how they're doing. So I think that he, it's really tough to know how he was feeling at that time, because to me, he sounded like he was doing really well, that he was getting the help that he needed. But to me, like the only way that I can make sense of this and the only way that I feel like I can honor him is to do stuff like this, where we can start moving that conversation to where it needs to be. And, and from so many years, we never talked about this when we did lose somebody to suicide. We won't talk about it. Yet, what what would happen if you lost um, a member of the Misfits to cancer? 
or something like that. Like we would talk about it. We, you know, we would honor that. This is the same thing. You lost somebody because of an illness, you know, he had a mental illness. Exactly. And, and, and it's okay. And we need to talk about it. It, It's not a, it's it's not a comfortable conversation, but losing somebody is never a comfortable conversation. Okay. So, so we, we have to have those conversations and that's why I, I think it is important. So that, that's where I say, you know, kudos to you for, for having that because you don't know who else is listening and you don't know who else is going to hear that. And you don't know what's going on with other people. You know, one of the things that I always ask people, and again, it depends if I'm walking down the street and I just walk by somebody, you know, I might just say hi to be nice. But if it's somebody I know, I'll say, Hey, how are you? And then when they answer, I'll ask them again, really, how are you? Because again, that, that becomes such a nonchalant thing. But if it's people that you're close to, um, to, to have that, you know, to, that they know you really care. And I think one of the things is, is that if, if you see somebody out walking and they, they, they trip off a curb and they twist their ankle, like we would go over and say, hey, are you okay? Right. Well, we, we understand the physical stuff and we, we can see the physical signs that something is wrong. But there's also the more we understand mental health issues and stuff like that, there's signs to that, too. It's just we don't see them because we don't know what we're looking for. But once we recognize them, to have that conversation, the the anger thing, like you talked about, Tim, like I'm guessing that some of the people closest to you saw that. Okay. Not everybody, maybe. Like in my case, who do you think saw mine? My wife, my kids, my team. Because those were the ones I loved the most that I was the closest to. So they saw it. And now as I coach, now I see it in guys and I'll reach out to guys and say, hey, you okay? Because what you did there isn't really a normal thing to do. The, the kind of the response didn't really match what happened. Are you okay? Because this is what I know. And more times than not, people are like, yeah, I've been struggling with something. You know, I've had kids tell me, hey, they attempted suicide or whatever. Once you know what to look for, you'll see it more. And you'll see it in the people that you're the closest with. So then to have that conversation. But again, the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it. That person that trips off the curb and you say, hey, are you okay? Yeah, I think I'm fine. Well, your bone's sticking out of your ankle. I think you should go in. They're going to listen to you, right? That other person that, hey, I've seen this in you. Seems like something's wrong. You okay? Would you like to talk? You know, and and then Tim, you brought it up just being able to talk to somebody. That's that's important, and I think that's how you honor him is to have that conversation because hopefully it's the last time you have to have that conversation. Hopefully, other people will get the help and they'll realize that this is something that um, you know we wish we would have had more conversations with him at the time. Yeah, and to kind of go off of what Tim said about, you know, having somebody that's removed from the situation to kind of vent to and get another perspective, that's what a therapist is. Don't be afraid Mm -hmm. to go see one. It's definitely normal at this point in, like, society to go see a therapist if you have the means, and that's exactly what they provide They with with a degree behind it, so they really do know what they're talking about. Have have any of you ever gone and seen a doctor for a physical situation of course yeah we all have well health is health just like we all have physical health we all have mental health 
And that's what I try to share with people. We all have mental health. But too many times when we talk about mental health, we equate it to mental illness. And that's what scares people. But we all have mental health. Sometimes, just like our physical health, we all have physical health. But guess what? All of a sudden, I might get the flu. Well, now my physical health isn't as good. Or I go out for a jog and I twist my ankle. Well, my physical health isn't so good. If it doesn't get better, I might go see a doctor. And then to just kind of get me on the right path. Same thing with our, our physical health or with our mental health, that sometimes things are going to happen. And I think this COVID has been, has really made us notice how it can have an effect on our mental health. Okay. Kids are ha showing 50% of 18 to 25 year olds were showing signs and symptoms of anxiety and depression. Doesn't mean that they're diagnosed with anxiety or depression, but they're having symptoms and signs. So how are they dealing with it to get through that? You know, and that's what hopefully we can take away from this COVID thing is let's build those behaviors because what's happening in COVID is going to happen five and 10 years from now. People are going to lose their jobs, right? Hopefully not 25 million people at once. You know, people are going to lose loved ones, hopefully not 400,000 in seven months. Okay. But it's going to happen. Do we have the tools to handle them at the time? And that's where I think, and I try to stress to people, this is a great time to work on some of those tools. So you have them in your toolbox so when those tough times come, we can rely on those with healthy coping mechanisms as opposed to the unhealthy coping coping mechanisms. So um, I think we have to start treating our mental health more like our physical health. And just like you said, Matt, I've never seen anybody go into a doctor's office looking over their shoulder wondering if anybody's going to see them. But yet you tell them to go into a counseling center, it's like, God, who's going to see me? You know, I, like, I don't want to be seen here. What if somebody finds out I went in here? Okay. Yeah, and I think that's a really important part of advancing the conversation is that seeing a therapist should very much be like going to see your your regular doctor. Absolutely. Because just as often as, you're, as you just need a regular physical, it's just go to talk to somebody and see how you're doing with your mental health as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and one of the things I think I pointed out previously is just how much uh, like one of the biggest things I learned was how good like my work has in a, in a play assistance program don't be afraid to look into that stuff because I literally pay nothing to see a therapist through that now there are rules and limitations but any normal person like I, I basically get I think it's eight free sessions a year Per topic. So I basically need two topics a year, and I'm a divorced single dad who lost his father in the last couple of years. So it's pretty easy to, and, and then there's COVID and work issues. So it's pretty easy to have a couple issues that I want to talk through with a therapist. And thankfully, I was able to continue to see my therapist that I started seeing, I don't know, four or five years ago now. Basically, how I started on this journey was I had weight loss surgery, and before they would let me do it, I had to see a therapist to work through all of those issues so that I could not be uh, in a bad place after surgery. And in many ways, I'm kind of surprised they ever approved me because I had so much else going on, but I'm happy they did, and, and I'm happy they made me see a therapist because it's it's been very helpful through all the other things that have happened since then 
to to have somebody that's been through all of that with me and listened to all of that and, and seems to keep me accountable and, and have me talking honestly about my perception of things and not being afraid to question, you know, whether or not I'm I'm the problem in a situation versus just blaming everybody else for different things. And I'm going to bet that you're a better employee since you've seen well, um, I don't know about that. I'm guessing but... that you're a better parent. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, I, again, j- just like, you know, and I use the athletes a lot. If, if somebody has a bad shoulder and they're trying to play, we know they're not going to be as effective as they can be if they're 100% physically healthy. Well, we can't, how can we expect to be good if we're not 100% mentally healthy? You know, if we got all these other things going on in our mind, they're going to be a distraction you know, to whatever we're trying to do, whether it's parenting, whether it's our job, whether it's competition and those types of things. So again, a byproduct of, you know, getting the help is, you know, for, for employees, you get better employees, you get happier employees, you know, you get better athletes, you get better students, you know, whatever it is. Um, so that help is um, nothing to be ashamed of, that it's going to help everybody out. Agreed. So, so how much time have you spent, like, have you talked to the Michigan Tech team? You know what? Um, I, I have not talked to them. You know, I've reached out a couple of times. And, you know, and, 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 and I think, you know, talking to Dallas and, and, and those guys, like, you know, they're having the conversations. And I think that's the important piece. You know, I think they have somebody, you know, they, obviously they have counseling departments on campus and stuff like that. Um, you know, so, again, certain schools are – you know, they're doing it. One of the things for me, I think when I come in, it just kind of helps. Um, it kind of gives a, a coach or a teammate an excuse to bring up the topic to somebody else. You know, hey, remember when that guy said about the anger piece? You know, I've, I've kind of noticed in you, like on Sunday mornings when you come down and snap at us for having dirty dishes in the sink, like is something going on? You know, but to have that conversation, because if they just have it out of the blue, it's like, well, yeah, because you're a pig, you know, and there's no context to it. Or if a coach goes up to a kid and says, um, hey, you feeling all right? You kind of seem withdrawn out here. The kid's going to be like, oh, no, what's coach thinking? He thinks I'm playing bad. You know, they're going to get defensive and not necessarily hear it. Whereas it's like, hey, remember when that guy came and talked to us? Um, it just made me think about you and I'm concerned about you. You know, and now they're maybe a little more receptive to it. And yet other schools are having the conversations and stuff like that. Um, so, no, I'm, I have not had that specific chance to get up there and talk to the tech team. You know, I, I would love to, but, you know, they're, they're doing some other stuff, too. So I don't want to make it sound like they're not doing anything. I know when, when this situation happened, I know um, they're the ones that reached out to, um, you know, uh, Dallas and Janet reached out to me and let me know about the loss and, you know, the effect it was having. And stuff but they also had other people you know kind of helping everybody deal with it and stuff at the time so so i haven't talked specifically to them but you have had um like some video conferences or whatever with like coaches throughout wcha or something like that haven't you i think that's how i actually came across your name in the first place well so yeah so i've talked to a lot of, you know some of the teams in there but last spring when the season got canceled uh, we reached out, myself and Randy Barker, who used to be one of my assistant coaches, 
who actually now runs the uh, counseling department up at University of Wisconsin Superior, we reached out to the uh, American Hockey Coaches Association because I had spoken um, in Naples a, a, a year earlier. And when all this happened, we just said, hey, um, can we throw something out there for the coaches, anybody that's interested? So um, they threw something out there that said, hey, we were going to talk about it. We did want we we're going to do one meeting with the coaches. Um, afterwards, we got great feedback from coaches. They asked us if we do some more. We ended up doing four uh, mental health talks to over 100 of the NCAA coaches. That's uh, Division One, three men, women. Um, so it was well received. And then I've just talked to a lot of college junior teams and stuff myself. But yeah, so we, we did talk to the coaches because one of the things is, is as coaches and, um, you know, like you as parents, stuff like that, coaches are really good at taking care of their team and worrying about their team. So I always want to know, okay, who's taking care of you? You know, Dallas, you know, um, Chris, Joe, like who's taking care of you guys? You know, because again, we're not immune to this. You know, it, it's not just, you know, A, it's not just hockey players. A, it's not just, um, you know, men. It's it's not just this, you know, nobody, this thing I've learned about depression, anxiety, any mental health issues is it does not discriminate. You know, young, old, rich, poor, male, female, um, white, people of color. So again, just to let them be aware that, hey, if you need things, ask for it because, that was a tough time for a lot of those hockey coaches. You know, there were some teams that made the NCAA tournament for the first time and weren't able to play at the Division Three level. You know, there were teams that were on great roles that had chances to do things. That was taken away from them. You know, we've never seen a season end like that before. That that takes a great toll on the coaches. You know, their lives have been turned upside down. They're not out on the road recruiting. That's what they love to do. You know, they can't do that now. So again... To let the coaches know that, you know, you got to take care of yourselves too. And you got to look out for one another. So, um, you know, I've tried to do work with the, the coaches also. So we did some stuff with, with the NCAA um, coaches, hockey coaches association last spring. When I try to talk about mental health with my friends and I try to address, you know, like whether or not I think somebody should seek help, whether I think they need an outside opinion, some things that I like to you know, kind of throw out there is like advancing the conversation, you know, like where do we want to like think about where we want to think about mental health is like going to see a doctor. And then I also like to say like my therapist came up with a term of demystifying the process where, you know, like you kind of get in there and you say, I did this. This is how I did it. You can do it too very easily. So is there anything that you do in terms of like, uh, advancing the conversation or demystifying the process that you do with your team that you'd be willing to share? Well, w w one of the big things for me is um, that we have to take, we have to take responsibility for our own mental health. So we're the ones that have to move forward. Like you can tell me, my wife tried to tell me for 30 years until I was ready to get the help. Um, then it, it wasn't going to be beneficial for me. But I always try to challenge people and say, have you ever helped anybody else out? Have you three guys? I can't see Tim, but like, have you ever helped anybody out? Yeah, sure. I'm guessing you have. How did you feel when you finished helping them out? Better or worse? It's always better. <laughs> better. Better. Always better, right? So, and I talk to people all the time and I'll say, hey, have you shared this with your roommates? Oh, no. 
I, I don't want to bother them. Really? Like, well, yeah, we have midterms this week and we got a big match this weekend. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. I said, what if one of your roommates felt like you feel and they came to you? Would you listen to them? Yeah. Well, don't you have midterms? Well, yeah. Well, aren't you playing this weekend? Yeah. Well, why would you do that then? Well, because I'd want to help them out. Well, why can't we ask for the help? You know, and, and basically, if you don't ask for help from somebody else, you're denying that person the opportunity to feel good about themselves. You know, so so look at it that way, because we all think of ourselves as a burden. But can we look at it as, hey, I want Rob to feel good about himself. So I'm going to share this with him because he can help me out. Not that I'm going to burden Rob, that Rob later on is going to say, hey, thanks for sharing that with me, because that means a lot when somebody opens up to you. So, you know, to, to let people know that, you know, it, it's okay, because at the end of the day, you, you can talk till, you know, you're blue in the face until that person decides that they're ready to get the help. Um, they're not going to get it. And, and, and that's why we just have to continue to have the conversation and let them know it's normal. You know, hey, okay, you know, check back with them later. Have you gone in to see somebody? Are you thinking about it? Well, no, I just, I don't want to do it now. Okay. You know, because we, we can't force them to do it, I think. But the more we normalize it and, hey, I'm going in to see somebody, oh, good for you. Not like something's wrong with them, like, oh, why would you do that? Or, hey, does so-and-so know or this or that? You know, don't make it a negative thing. I think that we just have to, um, the more we have the conversation, the more we normalize it. I think that's what will get people in and that they understand that they're not alone. You know, and again, when they call and try to get in to see that therapist, say, call that therapist. Tell me you want to get in. Uh, let's see, today's Monday. Tell me you want to get in on Wednesday. Let me know how that goes. Because the therapist will probably say, yeah, we'll get you in, you know, the third Wednesday in February. You know, well, why is that? I thought I was the only one dealing with this. <laughs> no, you know, they can't see it because they're so busy with everybody else because, you know, this isn't, you know, you're, you're not, you're not the only one. So um, I think it's just to have that conversation and continue to have it and normalize it and support people. Agreed. Anything else guys? Otherwise we're, we're probably about where we should be and can, uh, move on to the tech side of things and let Mark go. I'm good, but I, I really want to want to thank you for your time on here. I think it's really cool what you're doing and that you're willing to spend some time with us talking about this topic that's really hit us pretty hard in the past couple of years. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for what you've had to go through. And that's one of the things, you know, I would tell you the same thing that I would tell a team. You know, I don't want to ever have to have you guys talk about how great some of these misfits were, you know, the great things that they did. I want you to talk about how great they are, about the great things they're doing, you know, and to have this conversation or never have to go into a group and say, we lost someone. So anything I can do to help that, um, you know, let me know, you know, it, it, where, wherever you're at, you're kind of all spread out all over the place, you know. So if there's things in your community that I can ever help out with, you've got my connections um, let me know. And, and I can't um, thank you enough for having the willingness to have this conversation because it's not an easy one and it makes some people uncomfortable, but that's why we have to have it Yeah. because we have to be com 
we have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And then at some point it won't become uncomfortable and people will get that help. So, um, I want to thank you for having me on Tim. If you can, uh, send me, um, a place that I can make a donation to what you're doing here. Okay. Um, I would like to do that because I, I appreciate you guys having me on here and, and, and it means a lot to me that you'll have this discussion. So let me know where I can, uh, I can send a donation to. Thank you. We appreciate having you on. I know, I know this has been, uh, it's been good for me. I like being able to, to talk about this and share this, this discussion with more people and try and get it out there for, for more people to hear it and, and maybe have that breakthrough that, that it's okay and that we just need to start talking about it more and not be afraid to uh, be honest with ourselves about what's going on internally. And you don't, you don't know who's going to listen to it and it's going to hit home. Right. You know, but it, it's, you're saving lives by doing this and you're planting seeds and, you know, they might not realize it today um, or, you know, they might realize it in somebody else and have that conversation. And that's what it's all about. So um, keep up the good work and uh, um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks again, Mark. Or thanks for joining us, Mark. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yep, I'm going to get off uh, here, right? Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too. Take care. Thanks, guys. All right. So uh, that was a good discussion. Probably a little heavier than most of our listeners are probably used to, but I think we we kept that pretty good and and, and it went well overall. Um, So I guess we can move on to the more traditional podcast discussions after a... uh, a week and a half of taking a break from that, I guess. Um, so the biggest thing is we finally should have games this weekend. Um, but I think before we get to that, we should go to our Patreon question. Or not, not a Patreon. I guess I don't know if he's a patron or not. But we got a question on our Discord chat from the troll. He's curious as to how, on the one hand, nobody has a problem with grad transfers. They've earned their degree, done their time, and should be free to move on. Then why do we, uh, on the other hand, keep saying or that uh, blaming Sean for Seamus Donahue leaving? Seamus was a grad transfer and earned his degree and moved on. Anybody want to start with that? Or I can. But I, I think that is a very well-placed call-out <laughs> to our previous comments. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think my answer is why, why I would say it's interesting is that he was in a leadership position on the team for one, so it hits home a little bit harder there. Um, but no, I can't, I can't say I disagree with that comment, right? If, if, uh, if someone gets their degree and moves on, that's what we've talked about, right? So, Yeah, and I think that's a really fair criticism, especially in the way that we've covered it. Because I know that we've gone in there and said that, you know, you know, like it's kind of a bad reflection on the program that XYZ guy is, you know, transferring and going away. But it's definitely a good point that he's got his degree, he's moving on. And I can respect somebody not wanting to do tech grad school. <laughs> that's insane. So, you know... <laughs> I think my answer is pretty simple. Seamus Donahue is completely within his rights and allowed to transfer. But I still blame Sean for him leaving because 
he was somebody that I would think would be a top four defenseman. And I guess on the one hand, maybe I sh- we shouldn't be so harsh on it because he is a, a Metro kid and he got a chance to go to, in some respects, like a better opportunity at a school closer to home, which in the end didn't really help him, I'm assuming, because I'm assuming parents can't go to St. Cloud games either. But, um, like, it's hard not to take the Donahue situation and look at the history of how he interacted with Joe when there were issues between, like, his some of his bad plays and everything else and just look at it as a, as a, a situation where Joe wasn't able to get through to Donahue. And maybe that's not the case. Obviously, we don't know all the details. Um, but it's hard not to lay the blame on the head coach when a player you would think would be getting, you know, top two, top four minutes on defense that he leaves. It's not um, like I put zero on him for the goaltending stuff because goalies are just so uh, like their own little thing. Like it's their own little fiefdom. And if, and if one of them like dot like Baydoon, like, He's he's doing really well for Wisconsin, but I don't really put anything on Joe for that one because he can't guarantee Baydoon's going to be the starter with the way things had been before that. Um, I don't know. Anybody else got anything they want to say? Yeah, I mean, there's no reason. But you, you can, at the same time, not blame Donahue and be, think it's perfectly okay for him to transfer and that he put in the time and it's it's you know it's his privilege to be able to transfer and at the same time raise the question of what was motivating him to make that decision you can think it's perfectly fine for him to transfer in it but also question is there something with the culture that is that's that's making him want to transfer i don't think those two things are necessarily at odds with each other yeah well and it's not I guess in my mind, it's I don't look at St. Cloud in their current situation either as being this great situation where he has a chance, like a legit shot at like winning a national title or anything. So it's not... I mean, they've been top five in the country at one point this season, so... Have they? Yeah. Well, that's just polls, too. I don't know how much to put on anything this year, but... um. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I guess it without because of the history that we know that Donahue has been at odds with Sean. That's why you lay it as at the coach's feet. If you didn't have that and it's just a kid saying I graduated, I want a chance at a national title, St. Cloud gives me a better shot at that. I don't put that on the coach, but because you know the history, you know Joe's called him out on the shows or the post games a couple times that you really wonder how much of it is them butting heads too much and Joe not being able to find a way to like get through and actually be that, the, the proper voice for Donahue. Um, but yeah, I don't know other than that. Yeah. I think a lot of the, uh, the relation stuff between him and Sean is pretty, pretty much purely speculation because I feel like a lot of Joe's tactics, are, they, they kind of include, you know, if this guy, a fella, could have performed better, then I might call him out for it. 
So I think personally, this question is one where I've just got to put my hands up and say, you got us. This is, that's a really valid criticism. Like, I hope Donahue has a successful career at St. Cloud and goes on to, you know, be a good professional and, you know, end up being a, uh, exclamation point for having so much time with the Huskies and then t- carrying that on into the professional level. Yeah, I don't think there's much more to say about that. Like I said, we've been called out rightfully, so. (laughs) (laughs) What did I just miss? I had to go turn down the volume on my iPad so it would stop beeping every time I get an iMessage. It was basically Rob (laughs) agreeing that we basically got a valid criticism thrown at us, and now we've got to talk about it. (laughs) We talked about it. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Um... Is there anything else in college hockey we want to talk about other than previewing the series? I suppose the other thing we have is um, we can kind of roll this into like a Joe Sean hour comment, but I didn't listen to the show at all today. So if you guys that have listened want to, was there anything on that in particular? Well, that was good, decent, worth a re-listen. I don't know. There, uh, not really. I don't know. I mean, he talked a decent amount about my next topic, which was going to be the Ryland Mosley coming in or Mosley. I can't even remember. So he's, it. Is he going to be playing this year? Do you think, or is he just yes, coming in? Cause it makes sense to practice. He I could guess. be playing, but at the same time, he was basically brought in because the CCHL is not playing. He's uh in his last year of eligibility of juniors. So to get him practice and potentially playing time, they brought him in because it doesn't look like the CCHL is going to play anytime soon. So if he plays this season, doesn't matter. It will not count against his eligibility. So even if he does, yeah. well, that helps. If, if he's right. just practice squad, then like you know he's playing. That's more than he can say. Then he was the Carlton place. But if he does get to play, then it's just whatever. We get an extra you know semester of Rylan Mosley, who should end up being a very good Husky, and I'm excited to see how he does. I'm just a fan of that name of that team. It's a fun name Carlton to say. Place. The Carlton Place Canadians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds fancy. And, and Joe yeah. made it sound like he <laughs> he must have some kind of good relationship with Jason Clark, the coach there. Okay. The way he talked about Jason, it sounded like that's there's something there that that's a connection for Joe, which I think is a good thing because. Clark has been recognized as either coach or GM of the year, like four of the last five years in that league, something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. So I think that's a good. From what I understand, it's one of the it's one of the teams that's generally near the top of that league every year. Yeah, so. at least it's more or less the only team in that league we're talking about. Pretty much. <laughs> I didn't want to go that that far, but yeah, that's what I've read too. I don't. It's it's not a league I've heard anything about until this either. Like I. I I didn't know it existed to be honest. Well, um, until until Thorn, right? Correct. Yeah, until Thorn came out of there, and it's a really narrowly focused geographic league. I mean, you you read about the Canadian leagues, and most of them are you know whole provinces or whatever, and, and that that conference is all packed in that tiny little peninsula or chunk of Ontario that sticks in from Montreal to Ontario, basically. So it's a really small footprint of a league, uh, which is interesting in and of itself. Yeah. But that kind of circles back to the Donahue talk, where I think maybe part of the maybe part of the reason he left is Joe basically gave him some kind of ultimatum about you know playing his way or not playing. Because look at the defense now; like it's not losing a guy that should have been a senior getting twenty some minutes a game hasn't really hurt them at all. No, the D seems to be pretty decent this year so far. It's not been a problem. 
That's not so it may have been a similar about, situation so. to the Baydoon situation where Joe just couldn't guarantee certain things that, that uh, Donahue may have wanted because of a guy like Thorne and, and the, the development of Lipe and, and uh, who's the other one? Well, even uh, Buckley has been playing pretty well. So, yeah, we've got uh, Lake State coming up. They are... Six three and three with, uh, what I I are two, did they take off? No, so two are two of those wins. They tied, in? they tied and won against us. Well, yeah, I know that, but yeah, I was trying to figure out if they counted Adrian in those six wins, which I think they still are. So, but they got those don't uh, count. yeah, don't count. I'm calling BS. Yeah, they got shut out by Minnesota State last. Um, was it Friday in game one of their series with Minnesota State? And then the the Saturday game had to be one of the weirdest box scores I think you'll ever see, where Minnesota State won 6-2, to and then in the second period itself, Minnesota State outshot Lake State 29-7, to but in that period, the scoring was 2-2. Two to two. Yeah, that's enough shots for a whole game, yeah. <laughs> not a period. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I feel like Tech has grown a lot since that first series. I I wish Tech had gotten to play Lake State that second weekend instead of Lake State playing Adrian. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens. I I'm guessing it's more likely that our result will be closer to the the Friday game than the Saturday game from last weekend. But um, I don't know. Anybody have anything you want to say about Lake State and and how things are looking? Or I don't know. It's a little weird for us to like not have games to recap because we usually don't spend a whole ton, a lot of time on previewing things. Like we leave that for Jonathan Zamata's previews versus us. We do some predictions, but we don't really invest a whole lot of time in previewing things unless we've got somebody on and Lake State's one of the few places that I really struggle to find somebody to have on. And and we had Mark and had a good discussion, which was important anyway. It's kinda nice to fit that stuff in this year, I think. And not just be the the same formula so much. I don't know, we're we're it, the team was playing really well, obviously, right? I mean, you're coming off, uh, off you're winning five wins right now, five win streak right now, but you've taken two weeks off. So and three of four. What does, what does that mean for you know the that momentum? Does it carry on? Does it not? You know, well, so we're all. I don't really know what yeah, to expect. And we're all kind of left in the darkest to just how many players were impacted by COVID. Who who sure. might not be yeah, able to play because of that or who is in rougher shape uh, because they had it and, and lost some strength or whatever. Like, obviously, we don't know if if the guys that had it on the team... Like, do we even know if anybody had it or people were just close contact? Like, we really don't know anything as to the extent of things. I, I guess I have a hard time believing that... Um, they would have canceled Ferris State weekend if it was just players had close contact with somebody who was positive but maybe um but it's hard to say and then uh i don't know it, it 
it'll be really interesting to see like what the lineup is this Friday to know, you know, maybe you can put some things together if there's anybody out that you wouldn't expect to be out. And obviously Joe's going to probably have to answer that question and he's either going to have to avoid it or tell us there some other kind of injury, right? Or sickness. Um, so that'll be kind of an interesting thing to see is who's out. And then you're going to get into the same boat where it, it goes back to when tech played Bemidji in Minnesota state. Are we going to, are we going to have, are we going to come out fresh or are we going to come out flat? What, you know? Yeah. I would maintain that during that first series, I was like our first series against Lake state. I was thoroughly unimpressed with the team. Like all of my friends that I'm in the group chat with the current misfits, they were, they, they keep laughing at me because every time tech wins, they're like, but you wanted to sell the team first weekend. Right, Matt? <laughs> so like, <laughs> so I, I am ready to, you know, I'm ready to take ownership for that. I still did not think we played our best hockey that first weekend. I think that we've steadily progressed since then. But I also think that I thoroughly underestimated Lake State. They've been having a pretty decent season in their own right. And I think there are a lot of X factors with taking the time off and the fact that Lake State seemed, you know, competent at worst. And I think it'll just, it's kind of anyone's guess how this weekend's going to go, if you're asking me. Agreed. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know what, I don't know what we're going to see this weekend. Uh, I'm just, I'm glad to have hockey to see this weekend. And hopefully that doesn't change between now and then, right? Sure, right, yeah, of course. We're kind of running out of, uh, I guess at least Lake State would be an easy one to do some more Tuesday or Wednesday games, but still, you're, you're kind of running out of possibilities here. Um, yeah, I would think if it, if it gets to that point, would, uh, the Huntsville series and the Ferris State series, the one that is, uh, is at Tech are technically non-conference, so I would guess that those you would cancel those and fill in league games if you had to. But I don't know what the well, I don't know how you do that because then you've got to planning for that is though, right? No, for sure. Yeah, I'm not saying it's it's an easy question to answer, but I would hope that at this point, somewhere at the league office has there, there's a binder there that says this is what we do if things get this screwy, you know. I wouldn't give Even the if league it is. that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just do some full-on predictions for this weekend. Throw out your predictions, and I think we'll just call it a wrap this week. Sound good? Cool. Matt, since this is your first like legit podcast, let's let's start off with you. Okay, because my friends made fun of me so much during that first Lake State series where we got swept that I wanted to sell the team, I'm calling the tech sweep. I think I think that's the best way to get back at them. I think we've grown since then. I don't think it's going to be an easy sweep, but I think I owe it to my friends to give give tech the sweep. That's good. I'm gonna go with the I'll go with the split with the tech loss on Friday. Coming back rusty, it just doesn't quite click. And we lose on Friday night, but then Saturday is a win. That's my semi-intelligent sounding prediction. Dustin? I'm usually the most negative of the three of us regulars uh, during this segment. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to go the other direction. I actually think Tech's going to sweep. Wow. That's that's, uh, surprising. It puts (laughs) me in a weird spot. Um. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I don't know. You gonna take the Lake State sweep just to be no, different? No, can't do that. Tradition does dictate that, that usually happens, but yeah. I, I, well, I'm, so I'm supposed it's to usually be your, the... your only reasoning. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tim Brown, and I'm temporarily your negative Nancy for the week. So I'll take the Lake State sweep. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, it's it's typically what you do if you're playing like Price is Right rules. It's like betting yep, a dollar, yep. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some somebody's got to go for that yeah. little low one. Yeah. <laughs> one dollar. Oh, it was twelve thousand five hundred and two dollars. Damn, I was way off. But you didn't go over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I found. Are we done then? No, I'm just looking forward to hockey. I'm. It, the last two weeks without hockey have, have been crappy. I don't. I like hockey on the weekend. It's a nice thing to end the week with. It is. Although I have had some fun football to watch lately, so I'm happy about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, you don't care. <laughs> My girlfriend's been very happy that I've been able to watch movies with her instead of hockey, so it was all right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Thanks again to Mark Wick for joining us to discuss mental health. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Patrons at our black level uh, or above Receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the white level or above get access to monthly Zoom chat featuring guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, and more to come. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit your questions through our email address, ChasingMac at TechHockeyGuide.com, or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash ChasingMacPod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, or share our Facebook posts, maybe, uh, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. Advertising on Facebook is kind of pointless, though, from what I've learned so far. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Gotta keep paying, baby. That's how it works. <laughs> we have 500 followers on Twitter, on Facebook, and only about 100 of them see our post each time we post something. It's such a. It's why the. I don't know, because they want you to pay to reach your own followers. There's a reason why I've given up on that site, and there's a reason why I don't use the Twitter website. I don't do Twitter either. I use a third-party app that actually shows me all the tweets in my timeline. Yeah. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint Doc McRezin for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. <laughs>